Hang on. Hang on. Right. This might be a podcast. Boy. This might be a podcast. It might be great. It might be guest. It might be a big, big mess. Podcast popping in your Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I am your host, Craig Simpson, and I'm here with actress, writer, comedian Julie Klausner to talk about the song Thermostats off of John Henry. Here we go. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I thanks for being on. I uh, talking to I think three different people before I got to Helen um, to get this all set up, and I've gone through management a few times. Good. I like to have a an extensive entourage keeping people away from me at all times. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were. But but the one email I got that was uh, scary to me was. I think it was Helen, or maybe it was the person before Helen that I talked to. I'm blanking on. It's like, oh, uh, how many downloads you get per episode? And I'm like, oh boy, they're not going to even tell her about it. <laughs> like, Good. she's not coming Good. on. I'm like, Great. I like that. Yeah, no, I like to keep <laughs> bouncers, all kinds of like, you know, just human barbed wire, emotional yeah. um, deflection. It's good to keep me alone and isolated that's the goal okay like, hey, f- fuck off normie you, you got nothing um but apparently my numbers i screenshotted some stuff from my podbean stats and apparently that was enough i love screenshotting my numbers it's my favorite thing to do <gasps> it's a niche podcast for sure but like when it's a well-known song off of a studio album which this is uh like if it's, it's just a norm, normal friend of mine with a deep cut the numbers are going to be lower if it's a if it's like Birdhouse, which I did a live episode on, obviously, with a of no, you're going to explode. Your numbers are going to explode. They're all over the place. Well, I mean, when Justin McElroy was on, I mean, I, he tweeted it out, and I got like 200 Twitter followers in like five minutes. 
the, um, the world is just beginning. It's, I mean, oh, wait yeah. till you see what happens after this. Four years in. It's going to blow your mind. 230 episodes. Yeah, my uh, world's going to blow up uh, for me, and I'm going to start making a living off of this and, and get out of public education in, I can't in a, wait. a red state. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Today's actually my first day of summer vacation. Congratulations. Yeah. And uh, it's beautiful out, and uh, we'll do some fun with my daughters after they get home from daycare. But right now, Excellent. I'm talking to you, and I'm very yes. excited. Thank you. I, I'm worried that people might not know you by n- name. That can't po- that can't be possible. <sighs> not possible. Because uh, we were early Hulu adopters, because even back when it was f- free, and we'd watch like the office if we missed it the day before or whatever like when it was just starting up we were already using it and then when we and then we started subscribing to it and difficult people i feel like was one of the very first originals that hulu yes. had is that right yes. that and uh, what, what was, was called casual was that the other one casual was uh, uh debuted like like uh during our second season yeah so i feel like those two shows and we were watching both of them but um difficult people um we we loved it so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Seriously, it was just, it's. I mean, we're you know of the age. You know, I'm I'm 41. You know, my wife's uh, just hit 40, and I like to give her a lot of grief for it. Um, we watched Seinfeld religiously. We watched it over and over. Like my mom, like this is the thing. Like I can send my mom Seinfeld memes, and just like when when uh, uh, difficult people came on, it's like runs parallel to Curb Your Enthusiasm, where it's like post-Seinfeld yes. uh, style humor, but more crude because of it can be, it can have more crude language because of the medium it's on now, you know, HBO and Hulu and et cetera. So it was like right up our alley. And uh, Billy Eichner is incredible. and He absolutely is. And that's how I got to know who you were. And so... So can we start with just talking about difficult people a little bit? Because I feel like people uh, need to go back and watch it. So this is on, uh, let's see, according to Wikipedia, you had 28 episodes over three seasons. And, you know, it's, it's, it's still free on Hulu. People that have Hulu. And it's from 2015 to 2017 it ran. So it, it wasn't that long ago that it ended. And it's still, I mean, all the jokes and stuff are still super relevant. I mean, uh R. Kelly is currently in jail, uh, so that was an, a nice update to, um, well, people will see a joke uh, about a tweet you make in the first episode. Um, how did, I mean, this was kind of like a breakout thing for you, right? Like, you'd been in the biz for a while, but this was like a big deal for you, right? Uh, yeah, selling a show that you created and you also get to star in, sure, that yeah. doesn't happen every day. Yeah. And and how how was it? I mean, because again, it was it was one of Hulu's first original shows. Like, were they easy to work with, or was it kind of like a weird thing because everyone was unfamiliar at the time with how streaming originals would go? I don't the know, whole thing, go. the whole experience was fabulous. It was like a dream. It was incredible. Awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, and we're going back and rewatching it now. And I I rewatched the first episode, and I was halfway through the second. And then I was eating lunch right before we got on, and my wife comes in and I'm like, "Oh, are you eating something? Okay, we gotta watch this." I'm like, "Do you want to just jump in, or I'll start it over?" And she's like, oh. I'm like, okay, I'll start it over." So I actually watched the pilot twice this morning. Oh my god! Before getting on, 
and uh, it's it's even better than before because just like thank you knowing you know because when you watch a pilot for the first time you're like eh, am I gonna like this I don't know like I'll give it a chance but going back to rewatch a show you're like I know this is funny I know this is good and uh, just like like laughing it's like. The, uh, it's a laugh a minute but i mean it's even more than uh more frequently than that so thank you so much i'm very proud of it i really appreciate that yeah i'm not blowing smoke we'd love it and it's 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 thank incredible you. we're gonna go and rewatch that'll be like our you know right before bed silly uh show to watch oh i'm sorry now off the top of my head who is who's the the name of the actor that plays your husband in the james urbaniak yeah what did I see him pop up in recently? I don't know. He's hysterical in everything I've seen him he's in the, as well. He's the best. He's so great. And we were trying to place the actress. Oh, was she in Orange is the New Black? The woman in the movie theater with uh Oh, Marlboro? Beth? Yeah, she is. She is. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That just now clicked because Cara was like, what have we seen yeah. her in? That just... Yeah, she's fabulous. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, people need to go watch this show. Uh, so, but to back up and just give people, I guess, a, a, a brief overview of um, your work, because I think mostly people will have seen stuff that you wrote um, if they haven't seen Difficult People. Um, and then we'll get into TMBG. We got we to gotta stay yeah. on task here, but I would like people to know a little bit more. So you write for... Um, for Billy on the Street, for Billy Eichner as well, right? I wrote, yeah, that's how Billy and I really got to know each other. It was why I wrote for Billy on the Street. Incredible. Doesn't he run around with Paul Rudd on one of those? I think he's... He absolutely has, one. yes. He's run and around with all kinds of crazy people. Another thing people need to watch, and people may have seen him. Maybe, like a lot of people, you know, like I think me, was introduced to Billy Eichner through Parks and Rec, uh, whichever season that was, uh, and and miraculously he was a character that usually when they add a character later in a series, you're like, oh boy, show's circling the drain, you know, like what you know, this show's not long, getting to last long, and I mean it didn't last much longer, but usually they add a character and you're like, oh, they're really just just hoping for a miracle here, but he was incredible on that show and added like a whole other layer to the office. Uh, I mean, not the office. The office of Parks and Rec. Uh, yes, yeah, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah, hijinks. <laughs> yep. You know, he was a good balance too. He's unsorry and, and Billy's uh, the greatest. And everyone else. What would you say was your like first thing you did where you're like, I've made it? Was it like writing for Saturday TV Funhouse or like what? What would you? What was like? That your- was really that was that was really cool and exciting and a great opportunity. It was probably my first staff job. I wrote for something called the big gay sketch show that was the first time i was ever a staff writer so that was a big deal for me yeah and we were religious watchers of best week ever as well and we mm-hmm. talked about this a lot with jake Fogelnest. uh i talked about that with him because just like that's when i first saw him his face and he's primarily a, a writer you know since squirt TV. yeah 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 and yeah. just seeing him pop up to talk about the rubik's cube or whatever mm-hmm. uh, so you wrote for that as well mm-hmm which I have to tell Cara about that because that was like our Saturday morning viewing. You don't have to tell her about it. It's okay. Oh, pretty. <laughs> and right. uh, Kids in the Hall. Um, you know, yes. Schmigadoon is is, is mm-hmm. the, the new thing you're working on that I have not seen yet. Is it, wait, is it, it's Apple TV? Yeah, it's on Apple. Okay, I guess we need to keep our subscription going a little longer because <laughs> we're like, as, as soon as Ted Lasso's over, we got canceled. We have too many subscriptions. It's but, uh, very challenging to have all those 
subscriptions, I know. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's got Keegan-Michael Key and Cicely Strong. I mean, how could we not love it? Oh, Alan Cummings in it? I'm, yeah, I'm very proud of that show. I love that show. Yeah. What's a... The, just give us like the what's the the Reader's Digest version of it? What's the uh, the elevator pitch on the show? A uh, couple uh, find themselves trapped in a musical. Oh, <laughs> okay, perfect. I'm a choir director. Uh, oh, awesome. Okay, so you might like it. Yeah, <laughs> but I am the choir director that typically doesn't like musicals. But I imagine that might be kind you of you might hate it. No, but I I think it's a certain type of musical, like like a comedic musical. I usually love. It's musicals where they're like. We're just burst. Oh my God. It has Titus Andromeda in it. Oh, good Lord. Okay. We're going to, no, we'll like it. We're going to like it. Um, Kimmy Schmidt was another show that we enjoyed quite thoroughly. So anyway, people should, um, I mean, just look you up on IMDb and, and you'll see all this stuff where you're like, Oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. And now they know that you were part of those. Um, but let's move ahead. I want to know, uh, how, uh, th- there's a there's an episode of Difficult People I couldn't find exactly which one where there's like a flashback to you and there's a they might be Giants poster in your it's room. It's not a Is flashback. It- it's my childhood bedroom. It's Child- the patches. Oh. I believe it's the patches episode where they have the they might be Giants poster and a, a kids in the hall poster in my bed in my childhood bedroom. Billy's staying with my mom at the time, so you got and to what's see the like my which childhood one- bedroom. What's on? The I don't poster? remember, but we did get uh, permission from the Johns, so That's that nice. was really cool of them. Yeah, I want to say that someone said it was a poster where it was the two Johns in black and white, and Flans has the Mojo Chessmaster, that big rectangular guitar on it. I could be wrong. I don't remember, but um, it was really cool of them to give us permission. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did you become a fan of them? Like, how old were you? What song or what album did you hear first? Uh, you know, what year was it, et cetera, et cetera? Must have been around like 11, 12, 13, around um, Flood. I, I know that like I had a couple of friends at camp that turned me on to 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 them. And I also remember like Jake Johansson had an HBO special and the closing uh, song on it was We Want to Rock from uh, Flood. Oh, man. Um, and then so my friend had a friend named Gabrielle turned me on to flood and then apollo 18 came out like relatively soon after that and so i was uh was into those records and got into their records when i was in high school and so you're also saying jake johansson is someone i should get on the show I don't know. What, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life ever, Greg. Ever. If you're asking me for advice, that's not going <laughs> to. I'm asking you for work. a little. Hey, nope, Jake, not, you should. Uh, it's, not oh, my, it's not my business. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go through his bouncers, his his uh, three management types. Mm. Um, how much of like a super dorky fan are you like compared to me? It's, it, that would be hard to compete, but uh, have you stuck with them through the years? Like, do you keep up with their modern stuff? I always listen to um, like when they put out a new studio album, I'll always listen to it. So what did you think of book? I, I liked it. I mean, there's, it's it, like, there's always things that stick out to me more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm definitely more of like someone that kind of, cherry picks more than like i think of i guess i'm one of those people that thinks more about songs and albums at this point sure but um but i'm always i'm always interested in like checking in on on what they're what they're doing for sure that's great that's yeah that's amazing um 
it's good to know that you keep up. I mean, it's like there's it's it's hard. It's almost kind of hard to be a fan of They Might Be Giants because of the sheer amount of content that they put out. You could you could like sleep on them for a year and then be like, whoa. <laughs> I really appreciated the radio show that um, that Flans did over the pandemic um, yeah. for the Catskills Radio. Like I listened to that every week and. That was incredibly fortifying, like during those you know, strange moments, those strange months. Yeah. Um, and I and I love his taste, and I love his company, if that makes sense, as a broadcaster. Um, yeah. So I always like to kind of stay in his orbit, um, whether it's like he's whether he's making original music or like original like art or graphic design on his Instagram or like choosing things that he likes that he's sharing with folks. That's always really of his cats. Interesting (laughs) to me. Yeah. I love his cats. And, um, I, uh, yeah. So, so that, that was really cool. He just seems like a fucking cool guy, you know? Yep. And we're putting out a, a covers compilation, team BG covers, uh, to benefit, uh, the Sandy hook promise. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, and and it's a teacher who's had to go through. Uh, well, I haven't gone through firearms training, but no, basically how to barricade yeah, no, barricade doors and shit like that. I'm like, why is this my problem? Uh, that's it's pretty important to me. And um, the last charity thing we did raised uh, six grand for a former student of mine who that's had brain great. cancer and has since oh my uh, God, beaten, so beaten brain cancer. Uh, he's you know he still has to go in for regular checkups um, and all that. But at last MRI scan was was great. But I'm hoping to raise even more money for this one. Got some pretty big name bands uh, on it so far. And the cover art. The reason I was mentioning it is the cover art that my artist friend in uh, England mocked up and just finished uh, is a cartoon version of me. And it's got like a little speech bubble with all these pictures representing. They might be giants, like the That's snowman great. over the fire, mm-hmm, uh, the squid mm-hmm. and the whale, and that kind of stuff. And then on the backside, it'll be it's it's the terrified Johns. The the scenarios that they finally agreed to do the show, and they instantly regret it, <laughs> and they're like mm-hmm. terrified of me. The cat's even there. His cat's even there with headphones on. So you are a a, a true TMBG fan. You know, I meet so many folks of um, like you know. Gen X fans. I mean, I've had I've had fans from 16 years old to uh, 66 years old on this show, uh, which is really cool. But uh, like a lot of people that were into him in the beginning, like maybe dropped off, like after John Henry or after Factory Show him or something. So it's good to know you have kept up uh, with them. Now, John Henry. Uh, so that would have been like the third album to come out when you became a fan. Um, you know, their excuse me, their fourth album overall. Um, I'm sorry, the fifth album overall, and their first one with a full band. Did you, did you did you have any thoughts about that, or at the time you're just like, okay, it's just another They Might Be Giants record? Did did you like them having a live drummer, bassist, uh, behind them, or did it not even matter? Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved like how how exciting like the horns yeah. are, and you know, I I I love I love the the wall uh, the wall of sound. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll be talking I love about any those wall horns. of sound. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh so John Henry, uh, for that album, they did a full full demo session, like studio demos, not like home demos. Um and I think because I had uh Tony Maimone, 
of Pear Ubu, and they might be giants for those few years. And uh, Brian Doherty, who drummed for them on John Henry and Factory Showroom, I had them on an episode together to talk about Snail Shell. That was like a dream, hearing them talk about that song together. Oh, no, sorry. Tony was on a Snail Shell episode. They together came on to talk about AKA Driver. Um, and just John Henry is such a solid album, and hearing those two guys like reminisce about those days in the band and explaining a little bit about the demos. Uh, it seems like they did a full album of demos because I think the Johns were a little like, is this going to work with other people? You know, it's not just us doing everything anymore. So they did this full album of demos. And the John Henry demos, um, the guys have not put it on streaming. Some fan put it up, uh, the thermostat demo. I'm surprised it hasn't been yanked. Um, but you have to buy the CD or vinyl to hear the full uh, John Henry demos, but they're incredible. I'd recommend it to you if you're a big fan of John Henry, hearing the demos. Um, they're great-sounding demos that just have slight differences in the songs, louder guitars I really like in the demos. Um, but for now, I sent you this link to the uh, YouTube someone put up of the thermostat demo. <laughs> Another thing that I learned from the trivia on the wiki is that when he says, I was just telling you a minute ago, it's exactly mm-hmm. at the one minute mark on the track. <laughs> oh, Intentional? <okay>. Probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know how you'd figure out something like that when you're writing a song. Or is it just coincidence? Um, so it still sounds nice and clean. It's maybe not as slick as the uh, final album version, but do you have any thoughts on uh, what you just heard there? Sounds pretty faithful to what is on the album. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's got horns in there. I do not have any credits on it. I do have the CD version of it. It doesn't have very extensive liner notes about who played what. I I think maybe it's just probably John Linnell playing some saxophone, you know, uh, whereas the actual album version they've got you know hired guns kurt hoffman on sax steve uh, bernstein kurt hoffman's been on a bunch of their stuff and then these other guys steve bernstein and kevin osborne will talk about um we're just kind of john henry ringers that maybe electra brought in or something like that but yeah mm-hmm. the demo demo sounds great to me um the only song that didn't make the demos is that i guess they didn't demo uh stomp box but the whole they just did it for the real thing but for you as a fan of John Henry, you know, you can, can't stream it, but you can buy, like, from their band camp, you can buy the full John Henry demos, and I, I would recommend that uh, to you as a fan. Um, 
but yeah, the uh, the demo sounds great, but I think we can jump right into the actual John Henry song uh, discussion. And I would like to know just what are your favorite parts musically about this song, like putting lyrics aside, musically, Thermostat, what, what draws you to this song? Um, I mean, it's very catchy. And it's, I guess in like a, it's like in the middle of the album, right? It's kind of like a little jolt. It's like a, it's like an iced coffee in the afternoon, right? Like just kind of <laughs> gives you a little pep in your steps. You're back yeah. on track. Cause I, I, I love that this album ends with the end of the tour. That That's like such a, it's like my favorite song. I, I, I think that's such a beautiful conclusion it's so great as a funny twist that was episode one of this podcast was end of the tour was the first episode yeah it's uh, such a beautiful <laughs> it's such a beautiful song it's such a beautiful destination so like yeah. i like that this is in the in the middle kind of i'm looking it's um, actually it's actually track 16 out of 20 so it's in the it's oh it's, it's closer the to the end so quarter. it's like yeah it's more between, like a it's more it's more like a like a yeah. like a 5 p.m iced coffee Right, it's right after Meet James Ensor and right before Window. I like the horns. The horns are great. Uh, like I said, Kurt Hoffman uh, has been on a ton of their stuff. Like I don't know if you put it around the wiki at all, um, if you can get tmbw.net in front of you. Um, like you can click on all these guys, and, and Kurt Hoffman has been on. I know who Kurt Hoffman is. I know who the ordinaires okay. are. I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't go on the wiki, but I used to go to the Knitting Factory when I was in high school, and nice. I know these guys. I know Stephen Bernstein. Like, I was a you know big music fan back in back in my back in my day, and I'm an old. Uh, I'm an old mule, but like, you know, I, um, she used to have some pep in her step, so she's been out and about. Cool. Yeah. The Ordinaires are great. I mean, he's played with Frank Black, uh, Kurt Hoffman, that is. He's pretty, yeah, played with I Frank like Black and John Spencer uh, Blues Explosion. Whole, the, all, all those, all those like that, like horn crossover with the like rock of the early to mid 90s was really very tasty to me at the time. <laughs> very tasty. Uh, yeah, so Steve Bernstein does seem like a guy that really has been around the the New York scene for a long time, doing all sorts of stuff from his own. I bands saw him do something at the Knitting cool Factory things. once, where he was scoring a silent film at like oh. it was like a don't know if it was like a Buster Keaton film or whatever it was, but it was one of those things where I was like, wow, this is so like what a what a New York thing that I'm doing at the time. I remember thinking, <laughs> I am so New York right now. Yeah. Wait, did you grow up in New York? I did. Okay. So you are through and through NYC. Um, yeah. Yeah, this guy's done a, a ton of cool stuff. Uh, Steve Bernstein, who's the trumpet player, his his picture on all music uh, is him playing a, I believe it's what you call a slide trumpet. So it looks like the world's tiniest trombone. It's just a really interesting looking instrument. And as a trombonist, uh, I, it's just hilarious to me to see someone playing something with a slide that is that tiny. That's funny. Um, Everything should have a slide, I think. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And whenever I see someone playing a valve trombone, I don't know if you've seen this monstrosity, but no. I just want to break it over my knee. It's for people that, uh, I guess, know 
that are trumpet players or euphonium baritone players or something, so they know their valve fingerings, but they don't want to use a slide. But the slide is still there. Like, the, the length of the slide is still there. You just can't slide it. It's a slide that you can slide. It has valves right up near the top of the slide. Perfect. It is a, I, I think it's the, the worst instrument that's, you know, it's a, it should be extinct. Banned. That's just me. Uh, <laughs> banned. Uh, and then, um, oh, I also love that he's playing on Coheed and Cambria albums. <laughs> I don't know if you're in any of that emo or prog stuff, but that was hilarious to me. So, were, had you heard the name uh, Kevin Osborne, who was the... No, the, I don't think so. Maybe at one point I had, but I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, he has played with... Okay, so he's only been on John Henry stuff. Uh, he hasn't been on a ton of their other stuff, like Kurt Hoffman has, for example. Um, okay. But he has a pretty cool uh, resume. He's done stuff, vocals trombone he's credited with whistling on stuff uh ranging from the monkeys to uh the heavy weird indie rock band sleigh bells uh so that's pretty wild um tons of the cool monkeys stuff are my the monkeys are my favorite band oh here we got frankie valley i mean fuck uh, frankie valley fuck that guy <laughs> okay i have like in terms of genre spanning work I mean, he's worked with Lita Ford. He's worked with, uh, uh, you know, they might be giants, <laughs> Carly Simon. So this guy's been on a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool credits. And the horns sound great in this song, really, is what I'm getting at. You know, I mean, the sax, trumpet, trombone, that's the perfect, like, uh, ska horn section for a song that isn't ska. Uh, mm. I was in a band with horns in, in the 90s, you know. It was the style at the time. Weren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you got links to your scott band <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd love yeah. to see you fronting a third way um, they're on the dark web yeah <laughs> awesome they called me the skank who could skank <laughs> there's gotta be i mean hell there was a there was a in the chicago scene i came up in there's a band called uh, luckily there were women in the band or else it would have been horrible that they called it called skagina <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing that there are women. Otherwise, that would have been horrible. It would have been horrible. It was still a questionable name, but uh, I think it was a six piece, and there were there were two two gals in it. Musically, uh, song kicks ass. It's very peppy. I love uh, the drums. Brian Doherty's a kick ass drummer, and I loved him just like hitting the bell of the rise, like ping, king, 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 like very powerful drum beat and just rhythm section in general on this song. Um, very cool guitar by Flans, um, cause he was the guitarist. This was before, you know, factory showroom. They, they got Eric Shermerhorn to do leads and then now they have Dan Miller and have had him for 25 years. Uh, so he's not the lead guitarist anymore, but on this, he was the guitarist and there's that, like that high sustain part. You know what I'm talking about? Like when the chorus comes in, there's this high part and like. You don't hear Flans getting to do that showy, uh, you know, those sweet licks like he wants it. He's like the rhythm guy now. Anything else about the uh, the music that sticks out to you on Thermostat before we move on to the lyrics? Uh, no, I just I just dig it. Yeah. Um, quickly looking at the uh, the 
the chord progression. Do you do you uh, do you play any instruments? I used to play piano and okay. I used to I play I used to play a little bit of like guitar and bass, but nothing like I, like I know what I know how to read music, but I don't like. Um, I, I can't really play an instrument. If you gave me an instrument, I'd be like, Ugh. <laughs> But I think having played the piano and the guitar, you could maybe um, appreciate Linnell writing a song in B minor. You don't hear a whole lot of rock songs in B minor. Um, hmm. It's like a guitarist's worst enemy key. Uh, it makes sense on the piano. Um Hmm, that's interesting you just don't hear a lot of rock songs in b minor you're gonna hear a lot of songs in uh you know e major a major d major Mm -hmm. c major a minor but b Mm -hmm. minor not so much it's a fairly why is that because it's a guitarist's worst nightmare i guess it's not the worst nightmare it could have been like uh that chord uh, is the b minor chord really hard to play not the chord but just the key because it puts you in a lot of uh bar chords you know, there's not a whole lot. Oh, of, it does. Yeah, okay. there's not a whole lot of um, easy chords, and the way that Linnell moves around. I mean, a lot of it's power chords, I think. So you're just using like two or three fingers, but it's jumping around. Uh, B E A D C sharp F sharp B E A D C sharp F sharp. All these, uh, just yeah, it's a guitarist nightmare. Like I've done, they might be Giants covers like a ton, and I used to do some live at like open mics and stuff. And I would play, I hadn't played this song, but stuff like Climbing the Walls off the Else, which I love, makes perfect sense under your hands as a pianist. But whatever guitarist I had next to me, they're like, why? This mm. song, it's killing me. Right. Like fast moving right, chords right, right. that aren't just like the simple, you know, tried and true uh, blues, you know, 12 bar, whatever. I mean, John is just like a genius when it comes to they, I mean, they both well, are. He's not writing it on a guitar. I mean, it's exactly. easier to write something on a piano or, yeah. Exactly. So it would make sense, and I, I've never plunked this one out, but I kind of want to now looking at this chord progression. Um, I mean, the chorus progression is really cool. B minor, D, those two chords fit together well into your hand. Uh, and for a guitar, it's not too bad. B minor, D, E, G, F sharp. So that actually is not too much of a guitarist's nightmare, but they still move very quickly. Um but it makes a lot of sense under your hand. And again, it gives props to Flans about being the guitarist. Um, you know, not that it wouldn't be something he could handle, but he does showy stuff in the key of B minor. So that it's like, you know, testament to his guitar prowess and Linnell's uh, songwriting prowess. Yeah. Now, um, the, the tr- little trivia dots on the wiki, um, like I already told you, as I was just telling you a minute ago, occurs exactly one minute into the song. Uh, I believe in the demo, it's like 101 or 102, but <laughs> on the album version, it's exactly one minute in. Um, the second trivia dot here, both this song and the 1992 Linnell song, Welcome to the Jungle, uh, which I will tell you is not a Guns N' Roses cover. If you haven't heard Damien Pagina's Welcome to the Jungle, uh, YouTube it. It is a fantastic song that is not a Guns N' Roses cover. These had working lyrics referencing safaris. Prior to the recording of John Henry and his demos, Linnell sang Thermostat live in 1993 with lyrics including, quote, when I'm ready to go out on a safari, I'll go on a safari. I won't ask anybody for directions. I'll just step on the accelerator. When the bus runs completely out of oil, I'll continue driving anyway. And then also includes the line, is the safari bus engulfed in flames or is it just me? Curious. Uh, I don't know. Was he listening to a lot of Beach Boys and Surf and Safari or what? I, I don't. 
Hmm. Isn't that odd? Like that uh, it's probably good that he changed it. Uh, right. I mean, I don't know. Or would you rather he kept the safari stuff in there? <laughs> I, I, I like how it is. I like how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's imagining it like that is, um, is, I wouldn't is, want any animals to get upset seeing it. Exactly, exactly. Untoward. So mentioning that, I uh, found the debut of the song that has those lyrics in it. Oh. Shall we listen to it? Yes, please. This song is called Thermostat. Giants fans are, you know, notoriously dorky. I mean, we're like deadheads in a way where we're recording everything. And, like, they encourage bootlegs at this point. Like, they're cool with you bringing in, like, a Zoom recorder or whatever else, recording on your phone. Uh, they don't care. Uh, they encourage it. And But in 1993, imagine, hmm. you know, what someone was sneaking into the show in 93. I mean, they were Electra an Electra band at the time and Electra pro probably would not have been cool with them yeah. bootlegging a show. Um, yeah. So yeah, the debut of this song, and it is hard to make out those lyrics, which is, it's cool to know that they're in there. Cause when you know, you're listening for a line about uh, the safari bus running out of, or engulfed in flames, you know, then you can kind of pick it out. But so the quality isn't great, but for a debut of the song, I think it sounds pretty strong. And, um, it, you know, it would sound better if you hear it on your computer, but it is a pretty low quality bootleg, but cool. Um, my listeners will like hearing that, hearing a debut of a song, especially when something like lyrics are different, like us, uh, nerds, mm. we, we eat that shit up. Um, <laughs> oh, we do. Oh, you better believe it. Um, so, but the lyrics, the album version of the lyrics, thoughts on... Those. Do you have any particular uh, favorite lines or an interpretation of the song? 
Not really. It's very straightforward. I don't think it's like it's one of the least confusing songs ever recorded of theirs, certainly. Yeah, it's pretty linear. Yeah, uh-huh. It's it's one of those songs where well, this podcast kind of uh thrives on debating what the songs mean and and sometimes just having fun with oh what sure. if they actually meant this and coming up with something completely ridiculous like it's kind of it's it's a just a fun thing to do uh you know creatively like twist the lyrics into some weird thing you know like talking about dr worm or whatever but like well it's just actually about a worm that plays the drums no it's actually about this like that kind of thing um so do you think the lyrics are just meant to be taken literally, or do you think there's something that the thermostat is supposed to actually represent? I I don't know. I mean, my my attitude towards their lyrics is just very much like, it's not my, my attitude, like, just as a listener, like, I have just always kind of said, you know, I'm not exactly sure what this means, but. I'm just meeting you at your, where you're, where you are, mm-hmm. and appreciating it. But I, I, I don't, I don't engage in the like, sort of that like Kubrickification, uh. like when people try to like impose their ideas about because yeah. The Shining, I think, is a movie that like is is showing someone losing their mind, and so they they want to kind of make it disorienting for the audience and that that's my interpretation of the shining and then there's folks that are very into like what the like the ways in which kubrick does that and what those ways mean and i'm not saying that these songs are meant to cause us to lose our minds nor are they are they like showing someone who is but i i do think that you know if you can kind of get a general sense of what something is about sometimes it's truer to what the person is saying than um, you know, like getting in there and like kind of taking the uh, like the thing yeah. apart to see how it yeah. worked. Yeah, and but that's just my own. That that that's that's my own philosophy. Yeah. I, I would never get in the way of like, is it helps somebody like enjoy something more to put it apart, like take it apart and put it back together, like that by all means, because these are very like you know strange things to to sing about. And I always said that you know if like. They might be giant sang songs about love and girls. They would have, you know, been the Beatles, like <laughs> like the nineties Beatles. <laughs> right. Like there's 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 they you know, they part of like what makes them who they are is like they're choosing to write about things that you don't hear in pop songs, like stem and things yeah. that are like either strange or confusing or like funny or interesting or, you know, like art history. And yeah. <laughs> so I I definitely you know, I, I think that that's part of like what makes them unique and great. And so um, sometimes when you can literalize or like in, interpret, you tend to like um, at least at least for me, I can I can just kind of like get caught up in like next thing you know, my head is up my own ass. So right. that's just my own personal approach. But I would never begrudge anybody for like enjoying what you enjoy in any way that you enjoy. Well, you're it. not the only one. Uh, like it's it's kind of, I kind of land in the middle where I don't 
really think about the interpretation. I don't really like think deeply into, you know, is this a metaphor for something uh, until I'm about to do an episode on the song. Like I don't get mm-hmm. caught up in like, I don't listen to John Henry straight through. Right. You just enjoy it when you listen to Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not listening through like, Oh man, what is this song really about? I'm enjoying the, the artistry of the lyrics and how they're put together and how singable they are. And then mm-hmm. it's just fun to goof around with interpretations when I'm chatting with someone, uh, you know, on an I episode. I mean, I think like if I had to, if I had to choose a, a theme around this song in terms of its meaning, like in the bigger picture of the album, you know, if like John Henry was the man who beat the machine, right. then like this is sort of about a a, mal- a malfunctioning oh. machine, and that like you know that sometimes machines fail and like humans have to you know pick up yeah. from where they where they where they did because like i was oh i i remember when this record came out i remember thinking oh it's called john henry because like they've replaced the machine which is like the stuff they would you know drum use machines. to be their band yeah. with like human musicians so it may be like that's kind of the idea but like or like a theme of of this is like what if humans can meet you where you're at with all their imperfections when machines fail. Yeah. I had never thought about relating this particular song to like a theme on an album. Like I don't, I wouldn't say this is a concept album, but I do like that thought. Um, yeah. I think, you know, the, the concept I guess would be maybe like you said that they've replaced the drum machines with a human uh, rhythm section. Um, but as far as this, the lyrics of this song being a malfunctioning machine and relating that to the uh, album title as a whole is uh, something I hadn't thought about. That That, that is cool. Um, well, like I was saying, I just enjoy the lyrics, like the, Poetic nature of the lyrics, just the way the lyrics are put together, and also just like mm-hmm. funny shit, like the like both the Johns are so great at just like songs that make you laugh, like in a dark comedic sort of way. Like this horrible thing happened, mm-hmm. and it's hilarious. Like you know, John Lennon well, loves writing about it injuries. happened, and and it's it's ca- I think it's their version of it's hilarious is it's, it's catchy, yeah, yeah. right? I love the the is the thermostat engulfed in flames. So like we're talking like thermostat to tur- turn the heat up and turn the heat down, but then he was saying the thermostat itself is exploded as in, in engulfed in flames. Like, like, well, it's like that dog saying everything is fine, yeah, right? Yeah. Stupid poetic justice. The thermostat controlling the temperature becomes engulfed in flames. It's just a great. It's so fun to yeah, sing. Yeah, I mean, maybe like there might be a world in which like all of their narrators of these songs are dying or Pretty dead. Much. Like, there's definitely a lot of um, mortality, but I definitely think this is something malfunctioning. And like, yep. Nike will drivers kind of like about something or someone malfunctioning, right? Yeah, I mean, a drunk driver essentially and stuff. Just uh, things going wrong. That that's the the overall theme to their career is a uh, very catchy, poppy, happy sounding songs about things going horribly wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's burn through some covers real quick. Okay, so first one, my friend uh, Joel Yellowitz goes by the n- name Guest Host. He did a cover of Thermostat, and here it is.
Thoughts on guest host cover? I, I really like. I really like the guitars. His vocals are really unique. Like he's doing a lot of diaphragm. Like um, he uh, is um, giving me like some Emo Phillips in the okay. mix. A little bit of Tiny Tim in the mix. A little bit of Devo. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of Klaus Nomi. Even like he's got excellent like abdominal support. Joe's great. He's been on the show. He's actually a doctor. And uh, he does this stuff for fun, and he played every single instrument on that. He's a doctor? He's a doctor. What kind of doctor? Uh, I want to say radiologist. Oh, really? Yeah. Smart dude who does They Might Be Giants covers in his spare time. Uh, So that one could be found on, there's a whole John Henry Tribute album they did for the 25th anniversary, and it's on the TMBS They Might Be Shiphosting Bandcamp. People could check that out. Here's another one from that as well. Jed Haas is this person's name. Let's check this one out. When the hands that operate the motor lose control of the lever When the mind of its own and the wheel puts two and two together When the indicator says you're out, oh well, should you continue driving anyway? There's a thermostat that regulates the temperature that might not be reliable That should be disconnected Turn it up, turn it down Turn it up when the cold brings you down. <laughs> this one, I think, is supposed to be a ship post, but what do, what do you make of it? I think it's terrifying. It's like the last thing you hear before you die. <laughs> yeah, it's like it turns the backbeat around. Like, all of a sudden, the snare's hitting on one and three instead of two and four. You know, it's like a crowd of white people I mean, trying to clap along. you're being very... <laughs> Yeah, you're uh, you're you're dotting you're dotting the eyes in a ransom note here. Like uh you're you're criticizing the, the murderer's grammar. No, I don't mean to uh uh you know, I don't need I don't mean to goof on this. This is like super funny and I didn't say it was bad and I didn't say I didn't I, like it. I think that's it, everything on it is done intentionally. Extremely yeah. ominous has a uh it has a it has a foreboding quality about it. Here's the last one we're going to listen to. It's by another guy named Joel, Joel Shaughnessy, and he goes by the stage name Homework Party.
just me Seriously, is anyone else just like burning up right now? Turn it up! that a lot his vocals are really good he sounds a little like like he's um like he's doing sort of like an ac newman kind of Ooh, style sure. vocal and it's like even more soulful it's like it it breaks it down into halftime it's like kind of cool groove to it yeah it's good it's really good i like that a lot that's great thanks a lot joel uh he actually did a lot of digging on on you for this episode because he's a big fan of you and tom sharpling and best show and all of that uh you need to score this song. So you're scoring it in the canon. So like, let's say Birdhouse is a 10 for you. What's this? And you can use decimal points if you want to go pitchfork on it. I think I'm going to give this a lucky seven. A lucky seven. Yeah, that, that seems about right. It's it's a great song, uh, but it's it's stacking up against even just an album full of bangers. Like, it's just, it's a great song, and it's super fun to sing. I think I'm going to go just slightly higher with a 7.2. Well, I'll I'll agree. I'll agree because that's a good number for a, a thermostat to be on Ooh, is seventy two. Yeah, you know. So I'll say seven point two, and I also want to <laughs> give John Henry the respect of having a of acknowledging that there's a, a redhead on the cover too, which is important. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. So plugs you have a podcast with tom sharpling uh called double threat and i was just listening I to do. the episode cueing on the musical and but really i'm just through yes. the section where you're talking about uh coney the baskin robbins short-lived <laughs> mascot who just seemed like some sort of freak of nature horror show so people should yeah. check that out and schmigadoon i mean uh, anything else like in the works that people should know about or be prepared for in the julie klausner universe i think we should all be prepared for anything at this point <laughs> in history <laughs> yeah um are you very quickly are you working right now or uh i mean the strike no i'm on strike yeah yeah all right good on you i'm on strike so i'm uh i'm making some tie-dye garments which you could get at julieklausnerdies.com and that. i'm uh picketing and um you know 
that kind of that that's that's sort of the majority of my day and trying to do some more volunteer work and activism around the uh vulnerable communities like trans kids who are being targeted every day mm. in this country mm -hmm. and you know just trying to be one of trying to be one of the good guys yeah is there anything uh, you think my listeners should go to to support or donate I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to help uh, folks in Florida right now and okay yeah Tennessee and um, my fans and TMBG fans in general are very giving and love uh, donating to oh, worthy yeah, causes no, and we're I, leftists I, so I appreciate that and I appreciate this community that you have and and I appreciate what you what you do on this show and I Thanks. you know um. A, f a fan and i am very excited to be here so thank you again so much for for having me and letting me chat about a, a cool song from one of my favorite records yeah thank you so much for being on and letting me through the bouncers uh your, your team of bouncers and uh giving <laughs> me this time and us dealing with the the tech issues that uh, were were before this recording <laughs> i know that, that we that this is the machines having their revenge on us after mm -hmm. discussing an album about humans overcoming machines yeah and so i'm gonna to fire up zoom and then engulf it in flames as soon as we hang up okay good <laughs> all right julie thanks so much thank you so much greg yeah all right have a good day talk soon have a great day bye bye and people know where to find this might be a podcast this might be a podcast.com find me on instagram twitter this at this might be a pod send me voicemails at 224-801-2930 and support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye bye.